Amen. Let's give God some praise all across this house. Hallelujah. Let's worship him. We give you the glory and the honor and the praise. How many knows he's a mighty God? How many knows he's a mighty God worthy of great praise? Let's give him glory. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. It feels good to be in the house of the Lord here on this Wednesday afternoon. In Jesus' name, amen. Thankful for what the Lord did this weekend. And, uh, you know, I can still feel the residual of what God was doing on Sunday. And uh, I, I believe that we are to go from victory to victory, from glory to glory, amen, and from faith to faith. And so that's what we're doing in Jesus' name. If you have your Bibles, we're going to turn open to two different portions of Scripture. The book of Nehemiah chapter 13, verse number 4. I felt strongly impressed to take the couple of Wednesdays here in January before launching back into Bible study. And I felt compelled to preach to us, amen, as we are dedicating and taking the first 21 days of January, or 21 days out of January, and we're just setting our hearts to seek the Lord, and so I'm going to do my best to, to minister what I feel, and uh, you know, you'll notice here when I get to my second text, I tried to get away from Bible study, but my second text is right where we're pretty much left off in Bible study, so amen, so you're going to kind of get a little bit of Bible study preview in Jesus' name, Nehemiah chapter 13. And verse number 4. The Bible says, And before this, Eliashib the priest, having the oversight of the chamber of the house of our God, was allied to Tobiah. Now, it doesn't take long of reading the book of Nehemiah that you'll find two enemies, the Bible says, adversaries in secret. These were secret, hidden enemies. They didn't come outright and just declare themselves to be enemy of God and God's people. But they were lurking. They were hiding. They were, everything they did was in secret. And uh, they, they were adversarial towards the rebuilding of the wall, the temple. And that was Sanballat and Tobiah. And the Bible says, And he prepared for him a great chamber, where aforetime they had laid meat offerings and the frankincense and the vessels, the tithes of the corn and the new wine and the oil, which was commanded to be given to the Levites and to the singers and the porters and the offerings of the priests. But in all this time, Nehemiah is just letting us know why this got to the place it was. Nehemiah says, I was out of town. I wasn't there. He said, in all this time I was not at Jerusalem, for in the 2 and 13th year, 30th year of Artaxerxes, king of Babylon, Came I unto the king, and after certain days obtained I leave of the king, and came to Jerusalem. And when he came back, he understood the evil that Eliashib did for Tobiah. What was this great evil? The Bible says, in preparing him a chamber in the courts of the house of God. And it grieved me sore, therefore I cast forth all the household stuff of Tobiah out of the chamber. Then I commanded that they cleanse the cha chamber... And thither brought I again the vessels of the house of God with the meat offerings and the frankincense. He said, when I 
recognized the evil that was done, that he prepared a chamber in the house of God. It grieved me sore, and I cast all of the household stuff of Tobiah out of the chamber, and I cleansed the chambers. And if you have your Bibles, the book of Genesis, chapter 35. Genesis chapter 35 and verse number 1. Amen. I also want to say it's good to have Jessica with us in the house of the Lord as well as Brooke. Amen. It's good to have you in church with us here today. Genesis 35, verse 1. And God said unto Jacob, Arise and go up to Bethel. And dwell there, and make there an altar unto God, that appeared unto thee when thou fleddest from the face of Esau thy brother. Then Jacob said to his household, everybody say household. And all that were with him, put away the strange gods that are among you, and be clean, and change your garments. And let us arise and go up to Bethel, and I will make there an altar unto God, who answered me in the day of my distress, and was with me in the way which I went. And they gave unto Jacob all the strange gods which were in their hand and all their earrings which were in their ears. And Jacob hid them under the oak which was by Shechem. Amen. And I want to preach to us for a few moments on this subject, housekeeping, housekeeping. Would you set down your Bibles and would you pray all across this building? Hallelujah, Lord. I'm praying, amen, for the power of God to fill this room. And God, not only to fill this room, but God, as we go back home here tonight and later on this week and this month and this year, I pray, God, that the Spirit of the Lord that we feel in this building would not stay in this building, but, God, that it would go with us into our homes in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise one more time in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. you may be seated. Amen. Housekeeping. As we have studied in our Bible study, again, I just can't get away from it, and so I'm, I'm going to be preaching about it, that Jacob is on the run from Esau, his brother. He has stolen his birthright, and he has stolen away his blessing, and he knows that if I don't get out of here, I'm going to die. And so he ends up at his uncle Laban's house, and it is there that he strikes up a deal with Laban, that I will work for you. For seven years, if I can marry Rachel. And he works seven years, and at the end of seven years, he is tricked. And he does not get Rachel. He gets the eldest daughter, Leah. Now, I, I don't have time to preach about this, but the Bible says she was tender-eyed. And so he got, he got hoodwinked. Amen. And uh, he ends up with Leah, and now he's, now he's got uh, one wife, and then he ends up with a second wife. And this is in your Bible. It's a little crazy and chaotic, but... This is what happens when people are not living for God. If you notice, before this, Jacob had said, one day I will serve God. But at this point, he has not chosen to serve God. And so his life ends up a wreck. If we were to put it in modern terms, he's got, uh, you know, he's got an ex-wife, and now he's got a baby mama, and he's got all these other situations, and he's working a job, and he's going week to week. And the Bible says he strikes another deal with Laban. I'll serve you for some cattle, modern-day uh, he said, I'll serve you if I can make a little bit of money. And so he works another seven years. And in the process of time, God, although Jacob is not perfect, 
The Bible says God is there blessing Jacob and upholding his end of the bargain. He had told God, if you will be with me in the way that I go, I will serve you all the days of my life. And in the midst of this, Jacob's not always doing right. He's not living right. But God, in anticipation for Jacob upholding his end of the bargain to serve him all the days of his life, God is blessing him in the midst of Laban's trickery. And God is blessing him in the midst of famine. And God is blessing him in the midst of hard times. Amen. Because God is a blessing God. And it is there that he is blessed of God and Laban starts to look at the blessings that Jacob has received and the Bible says he does not look at him the way he did before. No longer is Jacob an easy dollar, but now Jacob is somebody who is a threat to him. And in the middle of the night, just like Jacob ran from Esau, we find that Jacob runs from Laban's house as well. He grabs his wives, his kids, and all of his cattle, and in the middle of the night, they run away and it is on that run he encounters God it is on that run he encounters Esau and I, I, we don't have time to talk about all of the things but the Bible tells us in Genesis 31 and 19 that in their haste to run away that Rachel does not run away empty-handed Genesis 31 and 19 says and Laban went out to shear his sheep and Rachel stole the images that were her father's now, that word images or idols is translated household idols. These were not idols you kept at the temple. These were images, graven images, and idols that were meant to be propped up in one's home. And Rachel, no doubt, realizing she was not going back home, she was about to go into the unknown. She thought, I cannot leave home without my father's household idols. And Laban chases them down in the middle of the night and comes and finds them. And he accuses Jacob of running away with all of the stuff that he's blessed him with. But the number one thing that he's got a problem with in Genesis 31 and 31, amen, 31 and 30, is he says, listen, you left, you didn't say goodbye, I'm mad about all of that. But Jacob, how is it that you have stolen my household idols? Jacob tells him in 31 and 31, he said, no, I didn't take your household idols. He said, whoever you find that took, my, took your deities and took your gods and took your household idols, he said, you go ahead and do whatever you want to them. Kill them if that's what you feel. But the Bible says Jacob did not know that his wife Rachel had stolen them. And Laban went throughout Jacob's tent and into Leah's tent and through the maidservants' tents. And he went from house to house looking for his household idols. And when he entered into Rachel's tent, he, 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 he came into the right place. But the Bible says he did not know that Rachel had stolen his household idols. And Rachel had hid them underneath all of the camel's uh, 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 things and, and furniture. And she sat down and said, I cannot rise up because it is the time of women. It's, it's just the wrong time of the month. So, Father, forgive me that I'm not going to rise up. She lies to her father in an attempt to keep these household idols and to hold on to these things so that one day she can set them back up in her tent and set them back up in her house and worship them and one day when she has kids of her own that her kids can worship the idols she grew up worshiping in her father's house 
Amen. She had made a declaration, I'm going to keep these idols in my home. Amen. And I want to just talk to somebody here today. We're going to be talking about housekeeping. And, and, and in our text, we find that Jacob has now been changed. His name has been changed to Israel. And God has been with him. And God has kept him. And the Lord speaks to him and says, Jacob, amen, I, I want you to come back to Bethel. Bethel meaning house of God. I want you to come back to the church of the living God. I want you to come back. I have upheld my end of the bargain. I have been with you. I have kept you. I have blessed you. I have favored you. I, I have made sure that nobody hurts you. Nobody damaged your goods. Uh, you have been blessed beyond your wildest dreams. Now it is time I am calling you down to this. Uh, you've got to fulfill your end of the bargain. And Jacob says, okay, I'm going back to Bethel. And the first thing he does is he goes around uh, and he goes from tent to tent just like Laban did, looking in all of the homes and looking in all of the households. Uh, and he comes house by house uh, and he realized what started in Rachel's tent didn't stay in Rachel's tent. What started in Rachel's tent ended up in the tent of Leah. And what got in the tent of Leah got in the maidservant's tent. And what got in the maidservant's tent ended up, amen, in his own tent. And the Bible says that Jacob made a declaration to everybody. I just want everybody to know we're going back to church. Hallelujah. Can I preach to somebody in 2024? It's time to come back to church. Yes, it's time everybody's here in the physical building. I just want to remind everybody out there on online land, it's time to come back to the physical building. It's time to come back to the physical church. But can I preach to everybody that's already here in body, it's not just time to come back to the physical church. It's time to come back to the things of God. Amen. It's time to come back to the ways of God. Oh, somebody ought to clap your hands and give the Lord some praise. And he says, here's what we're going to do. We're getting ready to go back to church. But I'm not going back to church. Amen. I've already had an encounter with God, and it's changed who I am. It's changed the way that I call myself, think about myself. Uh, he said, before we go back to church, uh, we're going to make some changes in our home. Amen. I want to talk to somebody, uh, amen, for a few moments here today. There's some folks that think, amen, I'm going to come to church and then I'm going to make changes in my home. I want to tell everybody here today, you don't have to wait, amen, to get in the building to start making some changes in your home. Hallelujah. But let me preach to the folks on the other side. Well, I'll wait until I've made some changes before I come back to church. I want to tell you, both are the wrong ideology. Whether you make changes at home and then come to church, come to church. Or whether you go, amen, and you come to church first, and then you go home and make changes, come to church. Come back to the Lord. Come back to the house of God. Come back to the things of God. And Jacob declares, we're going house to house. Talk about some apostolic stuff right there. We're going house to house. He said, give me your household idols. He said, because we're getting ready to go back to church, but we're not going back to church to play church. We're not going back to church to just seem a little more religious to everybody else that looks at us, but we're going back, amen, to the house of God because we want to be in covenant with God. 
We want to be in relationship with God. We want God to look upon our lives and say you're doing right and you're doing well. We want to live a life that's pleasing to God, and we're not going to let our lives be pleasing to God just at church, uh, but we're going to make our lives pleasing to God right here in the home as well. Hallelujah. There is a false ideology that God only cares about what you do at church. Hallelujah. Amen. And that's, that's how some folks think. As long as I show up and I look nice to church and, 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 and listen, I've said it before. We do this because we honor God. Amen. I'm going to give God my best. Amen. But there's some folks that think uh, as long as I do right when I'm at church, then I am right. That's not the case. You can do right at church and be wrong at home. You can do right at church and be wrong at work. You can do right at church but be wrong in your car. You can do right at church and be wrong in other areas of your life. This false ideology that says God only cares about what we do when we're in the building, it's got to go. I want you to know God cares about what you do at church, but God cares about what you do in your home. Hallelujah. Can I preach to somebody? It matters what you do at church, but it matters what you do in your home. It matters what you do in worship service, but it matters the the music you listen to at home. It matters, amen, that you say amen to the preaching, but it also matters, amen, the teachers you let in your ears via TikTok and Instagram and Facebook. It all matters. Somebody clap your hands and give God some praise. Away with this idea that it only matters if I'm a Christian at church. Away with this idea that I can live a certain way when I'm here and live a different way at home. Listen, that that is not what God has called us to. Amen. It matters what we do at home. It matters what we do in our car. It matters what we do at our job. It matters how we speak. It matters how we think. It matters how we, how we live our lives. It matters how we dress. Everything matters. Well, does God really care about this? I got news for you. I've read the Bible backwards, forwards, backwards, forwards, and I've noticed something about God. God cares about everything. Amen. God numbers the hairs on your head. He watches every sparrow that falls from the sky. Amen. He's got every star in the sky named and numbered. God cares about every big thing, and God cares about every little thing. God cares about what you do, amen, at church on Wednesday, but God cares about what you do when nobody's looking and nobody can see. Amen. It matters what we watch at home. It matters what we, what we have on our phone. You know, I, th- I think that, that, that the cell phone and iPhone and Android, amen, is the Trojan horse of the apostolic movement. Because it's come in and we thought it was a gift. And before it's all sudden done, we've been invaded by it. And now people can't go a moment without their phone. People, you know, they've actually done studies. People, when they, when they, they leave their house and they've left their phone, they actually go into a fit of panic and their heart rate spikes and their anxiety spikes. I wonder how there's always a correlation between anxiety and, and, and all of these other things. Maybe it's the food we're eating, and it might be. Amen. But we don't want to correlate it down to the one major change. Amen. I don't know about you, but I grew up on canned food, and I grew up on box food. You can't can't get any worse than that and any more process than that. Amen. But what we didn't have uh, when I was a kid was a cell phone in the hand uh, that every five seconds we got a check. 
What we didn't have was something shifting every five seconds on TikTok. What we didn't have, and we never want to correlate what really might be the problem. I want to tell you, God cares about the apps you have on your phone. It makes a difference. We need to do some housekeeping here. Amen. Not just in the church, but we need to do some housekeeping on our phones. We need to do some housekeeping in our... Come on. The cell phone is killing romance. It's killing marriages. It's killing parent-child parent relationships and family time. The phone is killing your walk with God. Oh, somebody all lift up your hands and let's pray. Come on. God cares about everything. God cares about every moment. God cares about every day. God cares about everything. Oh, let's pray. Hallelujah. You know, I, I get it. This is not a popular message. Man, pastor, you're a little archaic. Yeah, but this is what we need to hear. Because we, we have let things in. I, you know, teenagers don't need a cell phone. And listen, well, you don't have teenagers. I was a teenager. I didn't need a cell phone. And back then, we had the Nokia. You know what I'm talking about? The one you could run over, blow up, and it's still working. Amen. I dropped this iPhone. Amen. And it breaks in a million pieces. And, and I didn't need it back then when it was just snake on the phone. Like, well, well, what if I'm out and about? All your friends have phones. This is all right. I'm going to just preach it anyways. You know, but, but how am I going to stay connected the way we used to stay connected? Go talk to somebody. Invite them over to your house. Have a real relationship that doesn't need the Internet. Well, how am I going to know what's going on? You know, hey amen, I know what it is. I, I know what it is to have social media and, and delete it and not use it. And I, I don't get on there very much in general because it's just too much. Hey amen. But, you know, when you get off it, you realize you're not missing a whole lot. In fact, majority of people's challenges and problems right now are coming from the cell phone. They're coming, and I'm not just here to attack just one thing because I could go a million different directions, but a lot of people, they're just scrolling, 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 scrolling. You know where people's theology is coming from today? It's not coming from the Bible. Amen. I've talked to some folks that they've been open with me. I heard this on TikTok. We, we do Bible studies, and, and you know what? They're honest and open with me, and, and then they, instead of just accepting his fact, they go, Pastor, is that what it really means? And I'm able to tell them that's not not what the Bible says. Amen. We got to be careful. We don't get our, our doctrine from an influencer. We don't get our theology from an influencer. I don't care if they got pastor written over their name and over their tag. Just because they say it doesn't mean it's true. I don't want to get my theology from a TikTok influencer or from an Instagram influencer. I want to get my doctrine from the Word of God. I want to get my doctrine and my theology from God's Word. Hey, Amen. I want to tell somebody here today, what you listen to matters. What you scroll past matters. You got to check it at the door. You got to do some housekeeping in your life. Oh, somebody lift up your hands and so let's pray. Come on, let's pray. Let's pray. Come on, I don't want to be I don't want to be indoctrinated by TikTok. I don't want to be indoctrinated by Instagram. I don't want to be indoctrinated by an influencer, amen, with a nice filter. I don't want to be indoctrinated by that stuff. Amen. I want to tell you everybody's trying to be your teacher. Everybody's trying to be a guru. People, you know, it used to be where you, you know a degree meant something. Now you can print one offline. I'm getting ready to get my $29.99 doctorate. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Honorary doctorate from doctorate.com. Amen. It used to mean something. 
You had to actually prove that you were worthy to be followed. Just because somebody, amen, has a degree doesn't mean they're worth listening to. I'm not against education. I think everybody ought to get one. Amen. And have, have at least be a lifetime learner. But there's people that, that, that they don't even have to check credentials nowadays. There's a reason that some colleges aren't even accredited. What, the, what they're trying to do is they're trying to stop all the other kooky people from just teaching and then giving you a degree. That's why they have a whole process for that. But we have negated that with social media. Now everybody is your educator and everybody's your professor. Well, I didn't take a class and I, I didn't do any homework. That doesn't mean they weren't trying to teach you something and indoctrinate you. And all of a sudden, if we're not careful, amen, we will have all sorts of things that we've acquired and piled up in our home, on our phone, in our mind, in our heart. Amen. We've got all these ideologies and we start making lifetime decisions based on what somebody said or we heard heard somebody say or heard somebody repeat or heard somebody do it on social media and now it becomes part of how we treat one another and how we live but brothers and sisters we got to go back to what Jesus said we got to go back to what the church preached we got because this is where we really get it amen how we live at home it matters what we do in secret matters can I preach to somebody how we live at home affects more than just us it affects everybody else. The Bible talks about a man by the name of Achan. God sent them into Jericho and said, when I give you victory, I want you to know this was the victory I gave you. You don't have to fight for it. You just got to walk with me seven days. And then when I tell you to shout, shout. He said, but I've got one stipulation. When this battle is over, you don't touch any of the gold. You don't touch any of the jewels. You don't touch any of that stuff. That belongs to me. If it's God's victory, it's, it's, it's God's loot. If it's God's victory, amen, God deserves it all. God deserves all credit, all glory, and all blessing. And Achan was walking around the battlefield that he didn't even win. And the Bible says he noticed some Babylonian garments. They just looked like they were from Babylon. We don't know if they were. They just looked like the world. They looked a little cool. They looked, they looked a little unique. And he thought, ooh, you know what? My son would like this. And he picked it up. And he goes down a little further, and he sees some gold or some silver, and he sees maybe some jewelry, and he thinks, oh, my wife would like this. And he picks it up, and he takes it home. All of this was with good intent, uh, that he was going to give it to his family and give it to his kids. Uh, but when the time came, they got into the next battle. Uh, they were losing the battle. And Joshua began to pray and say, God, why is it that we were victorious, uh, but now we're losing? And he said, there are some people in the camp uh, that have not gone and done some housekeeping. Uh, there are some people in the church that are not living right at home and it's affecting the whole group I want to preach to somebody how you live at home affects the church how you live at home affects your spouse how you live at home affects your kids how you live at home affects your job it's time to do some housekeeping and when Joshua called Achan forth he said lift up your hands and give God the glory he could not and he said, I can't do it. It affects your worship. Amen. People that aren't living right at home do not worship right at church. If you are not living right at home, there's no way you can worship right at church. We've got to worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. And holiness is not a Sunday-only thing. 
Amen. Bible says, be ye holy for I am holy. That means separate, set apart, sanctified. Amen. Set apart means not like everybody else. Amen. Set apart means we are, we are walking as God walked. We are walking with the Lord. Amen. I want to tell you, there's, there's too much of us walking with people on social media, not enough walking with the Lord. Amen. There's too much of us, amen, walking, amen, the way that we think the life should be and not enough walking with the Lord. There's got to be those moments where you step away, separate yourself, not just at church, but when you're at home, the Bible says that Achan and his entire family died as a result of it. Hophni and Phineas thought, God only cares what I do at church. And the Bible says that when they were in a battle, they could not win. They called for the ark of the Lord, the presence of God, and said, hey, don't worry how we live at home. We're just going to win this battle now. And they brought the ark of God, and they shouted with a great shout. You know, and, and let me just say this, you can shout your way into hell and say, wow, the Lord's with us. And, and just like Samson, shake yourself and not realize that the way you live at home makes a big difference on whether or not the Lord's with you. You know what the Bible says? Amen. We can talk about this at another time. Uh, amen. That how they knew that the Lord was with them. The Bible says as long as they were with the Lord, the Lord was with them. You want to know how you can find out whether or not God's on your side? I got a question for you. Who's on the Lord's side? Is God with me? I got a question for you here tonight. Are you with God? It's not enough to say I need God on my side when I'm in a tough battle. You got to be on God's side, which means I may not always like what God says, but I honor it. I obey it. I listen to it. I may not always like what God is doing, but I've determined I'm on the Lord's side. God is right, even if it means I'm wrong. That God's way is true, even if it means I'm false. Hoffman and Phineas thought God only cares about what I do at church. And yet they didn't think it mattered how they lived at home. And God did not move in that battle, and they lost their lives. Ananias and Sapphira conspired in their homes to lie to the Holy Ghost. They said, we're going to give this much, and they didn't give it. And, and it was all a lie. And the, the, Peter told me, he's like, you could have just given less. Why'd you lie about it? Just, but you conspired in your home. Well, we don't, we don't think God hears our conversations. God hears your conversations. He hears every time, amen, let me just put it this way. Every time you talk bad about somebody in the church, amen, or even at your job, God hears it. Amen. God hears it. Amen. Every time you talk bad about this, that, or the other, God hears it. Is this all right here tonight? Man, Pastor, you're being a little tough. I'm a little too easy sometimes. Amen. We need to hear the real truth. And sometimes we need to do some housekeeping. And we need to say, you know what? Not in this house. We're not going to talk like that. We're not going to live like that. We're not going to dress like that. We're not going to act like that. We're going to live as according to what God has said. How we live affects other people. Amen. I'm going to get to the happy good stuff here in a moment. But let me just give you the warnings of the scriptures. How we live at home affects everywhere else. You know the Bible talks about leprosy? It was a decaying of the flesh. And some people think, well, it doesn't matter. It's not affecting me. But when you bring it in your home, the Bible says leprosy could get into the, the bricks of the home. I'm talking about a wasting disease that would eat away at your nervous system and decay your flesh. That's gross. And that's why the Bible uses leprosy as a type of sin in the Bible. Amen. It's, it doesn't have to start in your flesh. It doesn't have to start at, on your person or who you are. And you could say, well, this situation is not affecting me yet. And this, this show is not affecting me yet. And what I read is not affecting me yet. And what I listen to is not affecting me 
yet. And the Bible says that the leprosy could get into the walls of the home and then it could start to creep its way into the garments that they wore. I want to tell you, when you start letting things in that you don't think make a big difference, amen, it starts affecting how you live. It starts affecting how you dress. It starts and this is all how it goes. And before it's all said and done, everybody in the house starts getting affected by leprosy. And the worst part is, without knowing it, you might start transmitting it to other houses. What you allow in your home makes a difference everywhere you go. And everybody said amen. This is why we need to do housekeeping. The Bible declares the word consecration, which means the separation of oneself from things that are unclean, especially anything that would contaminate one's relationship with a perfect God. Consecration is sanctification, holiness, and purity. Amen. When we do what Jacob did, Jacob looked around and he said, we're going tent to tent, room to room. I want to tell you, well, it's their room. They need locks and they need all that stuff. No, I don't know about that. And and you know what? That's my opinion. I'm not quoting you scripture. That's my opinion. They need their privacy. They're 12. What do they need their privacy for? If you want to go in their room and say, hey, what is that? Get that out of here. I want to tell you, as, 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 a, as a 12-year-old boy, I didn't need my privacy. In fact, it led to all sorts of other things that were not good because they thought they were giving. Listen, until they're up out of your house, they, they can get their own privacy when they get their own apartment. Everybody said amen. And, and this goes beyond that. But, you know, it's like, well, it's their place. It's their room. It's what they do. And you think it has no bearing on the rest of the house. I want to tell you it makes a big difference. Uh, amen. We, we learn this from Acts chapter 2 that they were praying in upper room. And the Bible says the Spirit of God filled the house. In other words, what they were doing in one room started filling the rest of the house. That's the positive side. But there are people that are doing one thing in one room and another person doing something else in the other room. And they're trying to figure why there's always a warfare and why there's always something going on. I want to tell you what it's time to do. It's time to go home and start doing some housekeeping. Mom and dad, it's time to knock on the door. Housekeeping. Housekeeping. No, 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 no. We're opening up. We're cleaning some things out. That CD doesn't need to be in there. Let me put it this way. Huh? Amen. That podcast doesn't need to be there. That song doesn't need to be there. It's, it's time to get it out. Hallelujah. And Jacob went around. He said, we're going around and we're grabbing all the household idols. You know, water is meant to be outside the boat, but it's a challenge when it gets in the boat. The world is the world. You know, there's people right now that are so stressed out about how evil the world is. Oh, my goodness, the world. You know, they're, they're, they're teaching this in schools. I'm not worried about the schools. If you train them right at home, you don't have to worry about the schools. Train up a child in the way they should go. That means when they're ever confronted with a way they should not go, they know the right way to go. That doesn't mean they always choose it, but at least they know the right way to go. Amen. But the truth is, is that we have outsourced, uh, amen, the training up of another generation uh, to a teacher that doesn't have the Holy Ghost. Uh, and we have, we, and, and listen, I'm just saying we have outsourced, uh, amen, our own th- belief and our own theology. Pastor, you go ahead and study for me, and you read the Bible for me, and, and you, you outsource prayer to somebody else in the church. Hey, can you pray for me? I want to tell you, we've done enough outsourcing, uh, amen, in, in, this, in this current society, it's time for some of us to go about and start doing some housekeeping of our own and say, I'm not going to let somebody else pray my prayers. I'm not going to let somebody else study my study. I'm not going to let somebody else teach what I need to teach and instruct what I need to instruct. I'm going to indoctrinate, not be indoctrinated. I'm going to. And we have, we have outsourced so many of these things. 
and we're worried about all of the water in the ocean. But we are not concerned with the water in our boat. Oh, the world's so evil. But, but what are you letting in your home? Noah was not worried about the wickedness of his generation. He built a really good boat. He built it the way God told him to build it. Amen. It had one window and one door. And there's people that they just, you know, they don't like the way God does things, so they start drilling holes. And they wonder why the world's flooding in. I want to tell you, it's time to go home tonight and get some mud and some spackle and some tape and get yourself something that will plug up the hole and start plugging up all those holes uh, amen, that you've let in that you didn't think made a difference. Uh, but you've noticed that your family has suffered, your mental health has suffered. I, I'm preaching in the Holy Ghost to somebody. It's time to go back home and start reassessing and reevaluating. Uh, amen, if the world's got all this junk out there, do I really need a second dose at home? If the world's going to put this into my kids mind do I really need to sit them down in front of an iPad sit them down in front of a screen where they can get a second dose a third dose uh, amen let's talk about adults for a moment uh, do I really need after I come home from work uh, and hear everybody say all that other junk uh, do I really need to come home uh, and then bring that junk into my home uh, in the form of a movie in the form of Netflix do I really need to bring Jacob said, we're going around. Give me all your household idols. He, he didn't say, all right, we're going to get some picket signs, and we're going to go on a crusade, and we're going to go to the temple of Baal. You know, that's how a lot of churches are. They are just throwing stones and throwing darts at other places and other things and other ideologies while there are household idols in their church. I don't want to be like that. I, I want to tell you, well, you know, and I talked to, talked to one of my Bible studies this week, and, and, and we, I told him I'd be talking about this here tonight, amen, but we were talking about how, how, the, how you know, they've taken prayer out of the schools, and they've taken God out of the schools, and, and I told him that doesn't really bother me. When the world's the world, it doesn't bother me. It just tells me what they really are. They take the mask off, and at least then I don't have to second guess who's the world and who's the church. But before they ever took the Bible out of the, uh, off the front steps, uh, amen, of the state house uh, and the courthouse, before they ever took prayer out of the schools, uh, we took it out of the home. And it doesn't matter to me how much water's in the ocean. I want to know how much water's in the boat. And we've got to get the boat right. And we've got to get the home right. And we'll never get the church right if we don't get the home right. And I can preach until I'm blue in the face. And, and I don't have anybody in my mind. But I'll never get the church right if we don't get the home right. If we don't sanctify and consecrate our homes and do some housekeeping, there's no way. There's no way we can ever get the church right. We've got to get the home right. We've got to get the marriage right. We've got to get the kids right we've got it we've got to get we've got to fix our own block we've got to fix our own neighborhood we can't change the nation we can't change the world if we can't change the living room if we can't change the bedroom if we can't change the kids room if, but if we change the living room if we change the kids room if we change the home we can change the neighborhood we can change the state we can change the nation we can change the world it doesn't start by changing the world it starts by doing some housekeeping and changing the home somebody lift up your hands let's stand across the building let's pray come on i'm just coming to give a call Amen to the church of the living God to go home and do some housekeeping. Amen. This is time. Amen. 2024. If we want more, it starts by going and doing some housekeeping. Come on, let's pray.
Jacob said, give me all your household idols. We're going to take care of this here today. You know why? Because I don't want the life we've lived. And you know, the world is getting to this realization. Don't let them fool you. We, we might be living in a biblically illiterate generation, but this is a very hungry generation. In fact, they call this generation the dogmatic generation. That means they want to believe something. In fact, they'll believe anything. You tell them that they can make up their gender, they can do it. And who's to judge them? And they'll believe it so strongly that they'll cancel you. They want to believe something. They will believe what God has to say if we'll tell them. And Jacob said, we don't want to, you know, the world's so tired of the results they're getting. And sometimes, listen, I get it. I've been there. I, it happens to me all the time. Sometimes we forget because we, everybody here, I'm not, hopefully everybody, here's my heart here tonight. Everybody here's in church. Everybody here's, they came to church tonight. Praise God. But you know, sometimes we forget what it's like to wake up and be depressed. Because God delivered us of that a long time ago. And sometimes we forget what it's like to wake up and, and not know our last name. And to wake up and be full of anxiety and fear. And you know what? People in the world would give anything. They'd change anything to have just an ounce of the peace we have on a day-to-day -day basis. And, and they are not afraid of what sacrifices it might take to have what we have here tonight. I'm speaking as a personal example. I had no problem. I'll give up anything I have to give up. I just want to have peace. And I would, I would like to stop having these suicidal thoughts. I would like to have a hope and a future. And I'll trade anything I got to trade. And it was there, Jacob said, give me all those idols. And he took them. He took, he took all the idols. He took all the earrings. He took all the gold and jewels that had been set up for these idols in the house. And he took all the things that sparkle and all that glitters that was gold. And he takes it and says, all this that's been set up, amen, to take our attention off of God. On our way to church, we're going to take care of it now. Because I don't want to get there and, 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 and have to deal with this stuff later down the road. And so the Bible says he found a tree and he dug and he buried it on the way. He did not bury it and put a marker there and say, hey, I'm going to come back for these when I, when I get bored of God. He said, we're burying it. And the Bible says they journeyed on from there. They left. They, didn't, they weren't coming back to pick up their idols. Let me tell you here tonight, we're going to have an altar call. And it's going to be an opportunity for you to make certain decisions. And those decisions are going to be like burying things under a tree. But I admonish you, don't put a marker and say, okay, well, next week I'm going to come back and pick those things up. Amen? I'm going to lay them down and I'm going to bury them. I'm going to bury those things. Because I don't want to get to Bethel and have these things follow me in my past. But you know, if we don't deal with household idols, they do not stay in the home. Church, this is why, I'm, Pastor, why are you preaching this so vehemently? Because if we don't deal with it here, judgment, if judgment must begin, the Bible says it must begin in the house of God. If we don't deal with it here, I'm going to be your Nehemiah tonight. Because things that were permissible at home, tolerated in the daily life of Eliashib and all the people in Nehemiah's day. They didn't see anything wrong with Tobiah. 
He was, again, he was a hidden secret enemy. And I've already exposed some enemies here today. Things that we didn't realize were enemies of ours. He said, you know what? I kind of would like to have this at church too. I really, really enjoy this entertainment at home. Can we have it at church too? This is why there are churches that will cancel their service so they can watch the, the Super Bowl. They'll do church movie night. No prayer meeting. All night binge watch movies through the night. Some apostolic churches. Amen. But when Nehemiah came back and he saw what was done, what was brought in, he built a chamber. He re- and this is what happens whenever you take those things that you allow in your daily life to be permissible and you don't deal with them at home, they make their way into the church and they start making their home in church. This is why Jesus would later show up to synagogues and he would be met with with people that were filled with unclean spirits. They didn't say nothing for years, but the moment Jesus showed up, they started crying out. And I've been in services like that where all of a sudden the Lord shows up and people thought, man, I thought that dude was a saint. No, he was full of the devil the whole time. But we had allowed him to be comfortable for too long. We let him set up shop and build a house and and let all these things in. And what happens is we can't just build a place for Tobiah. We've got to actually excavate and move some things out of God's room. And we make room for things that we shouldn't have. And all of a sudden we move him in. And slowly but surely God's presence starts vacating we start bringing this other stuff in. Habits at home become realities in church. How many wants to have the most rip-roaring revival church? Amen? I think everybody wants that. I'm talking about people coming in and laying down drugs and alcohol on, on, the, on the altar. I'm talking about people getting delivered of demonic forces. I'm talking about people having the bands of wickedness destroyed. I'm talking about depression and suicidal thoughts. Leaving them. How many wants that? I tell you what we got to do. We got to consecrate. We got to do some housekeeping, start cleaning some things out of our homes. You know what I want people, I want to see people to be delivered. But we, we, let me just put it this way. There is not hope for somebody else to be delivered if we keep bringing that stuff in. Man, it's like the person that's trying to get free of, free of, uh, of alcohol addiction. They keep going to the bar. Heaven forbid the church becomes the bar. We start peddling things for people that we should have gotten rid of ourselves a long time ago. Amen? I know this is tough here tonight, but it's right. Nehemiah showed up and said, we're going to do some house cleaning. He said, get all his junk, pick it up, and cast it out of the church. He said, and that's not enough. I don't even like the fact that he was in this place. He says, somebody get the Lysol and the disinfectant. I don't even want there to be, I don't even want to have one germ left behind of that person, of that ideology. And they went through and they started cleaning up the church and they started, and all of a sudden, uh, amen, they started going back to the way things, uh, amen, were supposed to be. Uh, and you will find as you read the rest of your Bible, uh, amen, that that temple, uh, amen, all of a sudden the presence of God started filling that temple again. Uh, I want to tell you what it's going to take uh, for us to have rip roaring revival. It's for us to start doing some house cleaning, uh, amen, in the church and at our homes uh, and start saying, you know what, we're going to be in covenant with God. We're going to be right with God. Abraham, he got his entire house in covenant with God. 
Jacob went tent to tent and found all the household idols and he buried them under a tree and said, we're going to get our family right with God. Uh, can I tell you some other good stuff? Uh, even when you clear out all the junk uh, and you start making room for the Holy Ghost, uh, all of a sudden you become like Obed-Edom. That the Bible says they didn't know what to do with the ark of God. And they said, is there not a place we can put it? And Obed-Edom said, I got room in my living room. Amen. I want to tell you, if you've got room in your living room for prayer, if you've got, I wonder, is there anybody that's got room in your living room for Bible study? Is there anybody that's got room in your living Is it filled with entertainment and junk? Or do you got room to invite people over and tell them about Jesus? Oh, but Edom said, i got room for God. And let me give you the positive side of all this if we'll do some house cleaning. He brought the presence of God in. And he didn't have to go to the temple to feel God. He didn't just have to show up on Sunday to feel God. But he'd get up in the morning and he'd look down and he'd see the presence of God. And the Bible says everything Obadidim touched was blessed. His kids were blessed. His wife was blessed. I would, there's some folks, I'm just so tired of living paycheck to paycheck. I, I'm tired of always struggling so much. I want to tell you, clear some stuff out of your home. Do some housekeeping in your life. Clear some things off your phone. Delete some phone numbers. Block some people. Come on, delete some apps. Unfriend, unfollow. Invite some folks to the block party. Just get rid of them. And say, God, I want you to fill this house. And everything he touched was blessed. I want to tell you that, that this is the secret for somebody getting more than 24. Going home and saying, you know what? We're going to deal with some stuff. Amen? I'm done preaching. Would you lift up your hands and let's pray all across this building. Come on, let's pray. This is not an admission of guilt. This is an opportunity to say, you know what? We're going to get some things right at home. We're going to get some things right in our mind. We're going to, we're going to make sure that we don't let things, amen, take up residence at the church. We're going to make, make sure we don't let things take residence in our hearts. We're going to make sure that we don't let things take residence in our lives. Come on. I don't want it to, I don't want it to fill my heart and fill my mind. I want, come on, somebody pray. In fact, I want to open up this altar. Would you come down to the front and begin to pray all across this building? Come on, tonight's an opportunity to say, God, amen, if there be any wicked way in me. God, if there's anything that's not pleasing in your sight, uh, come on, it may not even be sinful. It might just be holding you back. It might be, as Paul said, just another weight uh, that besets you, that holds you down and holds you back from everything God has. Uh, tonight is a night to say, okay, God, I'm consecrating myself. I'm separating myself. I'm separating myself from those thoughts. I'm separating myself from those ideologies. I'm separating myself from those things. Come on, somebody pray. Come on, somebody, needs a, don't worry about the world being the world. You just be the church. You just be a child of God. Don't worry about how evil the world is. You just be holy. You just be right with God. You just keep doing your best. You keep serving God with your whole heart. Amen. You keep being like Obed Edom and making room for the ark of God, the presence of God. And you watch God fill the entire house and fill the business and fill the bank account. And fill, I mean, His presence will go everywhere. It'll fill the. It'll fill your relationships. It'll fill your walk with God. It'll. It'll fill your marriage. It'll fill everything. 
Come on, if you want to be a Christian, it starts by saying, God, empty me of all this other stuff. God, forgive me of all my sins. God, take all of this stuff. God, I pray right now, Lord, there's a lot of things I've thought, said, and done that aren't right. I pray, God, would you forgive me of those things? And then you ask God to fill you. Fill you. Come on, mom and dad. It's time to start blocking some things. Come on, husband and wife. It's time to say, you know what? We've let these things slip, but we're going back to our consecrated lives.
Come on, that's it. Somebody pray right now. Come on. The Holy Ghost has been speaking to some folks right now about some actionable things to go home and take care of. Some things you might actually need to physically throw away. Some things you might actually need to delete off your phone. Come on, there's some things that God's speaking to you right now. Don't, don't forget what you're hearing right now from the Holy Ghost. Let's pray. Hallelujah. I just came with a fresh word for somebody. It's time to go home and do some housekeeping. It's time to look over your walk with God and do some housekeeping. It's time to look over your church life and do some housekeeping. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, sometimes there's things, and I want to clarify, there's some things that slip in. You know, the, the devil, the Bible says, is like a, he's like a thief. You know, thieves don't typically come through the front door. They come through the window you left unlocked or open. They come through the garage. They come, they come through other areas. And, 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 and all this message is here today, hopefully for somebody. It's one of those, it's time to go look around for every crack and crevice that the adversary might try to sneak in. Because he's crafty, and that's what he tries to do. And we're going we're gonna to seal those. We're gonna, first thing, we're going to take anything the adversary has brought in, and we're getting rid of it. 
Sometimes there's things that are sinful and they're wrong and you know they're wrong. You felt you feel guilty about it every time. Those are easy to spot. But then there's those other things that are and I, I'll probably talk about this not this next Wednesday, but the following Wednesday, the part part two of this, the other side of the coin. But there's some things that that are are impeding your walk with God. They're you know, when you want to move something into your house, sometimes you got to make room for it. You know, there's, you got, you got too much, uh, you, you know, you don't, you got to get rid of your old couch to make room for the new one. There's just some things like that. And, and there's some things that, that have been brought in that are not necessarily, not necessarily sinful or wrong. They're just impeding your walk with God. It's like Obed-Edom. He, he has a house where the ark can go, but his living room is filled up, filled up with all this other junk. Well, in order to bring that ark in, they needed to make room for it. So they cleared all the stuff out and said, put it here. Sometimes when you go home and do some housekeeping, that's all you're doing. Sometimes you're removing trash and junk. And other times you're saying, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to replace this with something better. Amen? And that's what God often wants to do in our lives. He wants to do something better. But we often are afraid of replacing what we have. God, I'm comfortable with this. You can be comfortable with that, but that's all you'll ever have. But if you'll give me that, I've got something much better for you. Amen? So let's pray one more time all across this building. Lord, we love you. We thank you here tonight. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit. Pray, God, there's all sorts of good things that, that are there in our lives, in our homes. There's a lot of bad things, and there's a lot of things that are neither good nor bad. But, Lord, I pray anything that's impeding my walk with you, anything that's hindering me going deeper in your presence, God, that's, that's what I, I want to get rid of that so I can make room for you, make room for what you're wanting to do in my heart and in my mind and in my life. And I pray right now, God, if there's anything that I've set before you and set above you, I pray, God, help me to remove it in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Shake hands, be friendly, fist bump somebody. In Jesus' name, God bless you.